a podcast. Did your radio show get canceled? Fire, fire, fire. Low down and filthy, but the discipline is on point. Schooled myself, made my own dojo. A cold flow with the whole dose of soul. Maintain composure, even in fury. An anomaly, properties undiscernible to me. This week on The Million Dollar Plan, it's our year-in investment wrap-up. And if we're going to do a year-in investment wrap-up, we're going we're gonna to tap a... A financial expert uh, all over the interwebs. He just happens to, to be in central Indiana where I'm at. Last time we saw each other, we were at Clues Hall watching Alton Brown cook. So, I mean, w- why not have him on the show? His name is Tadis Visconta from abnormalreturns.com. He joins us now in studio. Tadis, hello. Peter, thank you for having me. You were on the show a couple years ago, weren't you? I was, yeah. I was yeah. on the radio, yeah. Yeah, excellent. All right, well, you're back. Uh, abnormal returns. I will do. Uh, I will not do it justice if I try to, t- to say what it is, but it's a very significant thing in the financial world. Help us understand exactly what it is. Well, it is my daily take on the best of the financial web. Uh, that's really kind of my, my best description of it. It is stuff that I find interesting, fascinating, controversial. Um, but it's not a, But to be clear, it's not a news source. I really view it as... Uh, for investors, long-term investors, really thinking about the next weeks, months, years, and decades ahead. And uh, you are known for not uh, making predictions. Correct. Yes, <clears throat> that was my. That came about very early in the process. So. So that's good. We're on the same page there. Um, and, and with the funny part about this, that I've gotten probably three to four requests in the last couple of weeks from media friends of mine, uh, hey, come on, can you give us predictions for next year? And because that's what the people want. And of course, the only reasonable answer to that is no. I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, stuff will go up, stuff will go down. People who sell will lose money. Yes. Yeah, that's just sort of how it works. So uh, abnormalreturns.com, I encourage people to go check it out. You aggregate sort of the best things going on out there. And you've been an ind- individual investor for the last 25 years or so? I have been in and around the financial markets ever since I graduated from college. And so that tells you that tells you how long it's been. So it's, it's been a good 30 years. All right, so here's what we're doing this week on the show. Sometimes we do uh, personal finance topics. I view investing not necessarily to be in the personal finance space. I sort of see it, it's adjacent to it. So today we're doing all investing. We're going to do the top eight because we're going into 2018. You see what we did there? Perfect. Uh, Top eight uh, financial sort of investment stories of the year. Where do you want to begin? I want to start with the stock market. I mean, that is everybody's focus, and that is the, you know, whenever you open up the newspaper or open up uh, the interwebs, that's where people start. So let's start with the stock market. And the thing that I have found fascinating about this year is not necessarily the gains in the market, which have been significant uh, by by any stretch. It has been a great year for the domestic stock market, whether you want to say S&P 500, NASDAQ, you know, take your pick. What has been fascinating has been the lack of volatility. And by la- volatility, we're really talking about the movement up and down in the stock market. And the um, as, as of last count, uh, 2017 is going to have a record number of new all-time highs. <laughs> you go- sound like someone I've seen on Twitter. It is going to have uh, is going to have one of the lowest drawdowns, which is the kind of uh, a fall in the market from from a peak. And really, volatility by any measure is extraordinarily low, which. Um, Again, maybe, you know, in and of itself isn't surprising, but when you look at the background of the world in which we live, is absolutely fascinating. 
So, Tadis, I'm, I'm gathering from this that you are the, your number one uh, takeaway from 2017 is we saw abnormal returns. We we absolutely <laughs> go figure. You know, absolutely. In terms of in terms of the market, it was uh, a surprisingly calm year, and which I think is for investors is a great thing because we know the one thing that investors have a tendency to do is get shaken out by market movements. Um, when the stock market goes down for whatever reason, um, investors have a tendency to bail out on their previously thought out plans, which in the long run is usually a mistake. All right, so I'm gonna ask you a question that sounds like I'm asking you to make a prediction, but I'm asking you not to run out of the studio. I want you to stick through and hold. Nicole, grab the straps, we're keeping them here. Um, okay, Let, we're playing hypotheticals here. Let's say we get to a point um, politically where the Trump administration has a, an abrupt ending. I don't know how else I want to say it. Let's just say that, okay? I, I will give my take. I feel this year's market has proven to me it is possible that the market just views that as a blip and keeps on trucking. Do you think that's possible or do you think the removal of a president by whatever means abruptly prior to the end of his term has to result in market chaos? I think in that in that particular scenario, I think you're going to have some pickup in volatility. I don't see. I think any historical precedent would tell you that uh, whether it be uh, you know, unfortunately, whether it be assassination, resignation, even scandal writ large, I think you're you will likely to see um, you will likely to see greater volatility. I, I think that's probably a given. Again, 2017 would would you know would kind of. Uh, would argue against that because given all of that we have seen, you would think that we would, you know, that we would have seen greater swings in the market, um, some periods of nervousness. Um, but I think you're right in sensing that um, tensions building up. I don't. There's no other way to. I don't think there's, a, you know, no. However you look at it, um, from whatever sort of partisan perspective, uh, tension is building in the system. Yeah. And it's just a question of how and when it's released. Do you think we're, the market's so overvalued right now? I think you know. I, I think you have to answer it one of two ways. I think one is by any historical sort of measure, it is overvalued. Right. I think there's. I don't think there's any sort of. You can't argue with those sort of numbers. Um, but I think the other thing that was interesting, and you know, you and I spend a fair amount of time on Twitter, and this was a topic that kind of came up um, from some of the people that we follow and listen to. Everybody says that. You know, to a person, whether it be professional, individual, that returns going forward for the stock and bond markets are going to be lower than average. And so, whenever you know, um, whenever you hear everybody saying one thing, um, it, you just have to perk up your ears and kind of it kind of gets your contrary juices flowing and think, totally. what am I missing? What you know? What are we all not seeing? What is out there that has? you know, that is glaringly obvious that everybody is avoiding. And I don't know necessarily what that was and what that is or what that was. And I think this year was, you could argue, was backed by, you know, frankly, good economic news here and abroad, uh, which is translated into, um, you know, better than expected earnings. So from a fundamental sort of perspective, um, this year is not anomalous in terms of the market saying, hey, things aren't that bad in the, in the corporate world writ large. And so, um, uh, so if, if, you, if we see that continuing, and back in 2009 when the world was coming to an end, <laughs> nobody would have said at the end of 2017 you will have experienced you know, uh, uh, you know, a tripling in the stock market and uh, overall good tidings. Um, 
Yeah, they, you know, the, the unexpected can certainly happen. The way I view 2009, uh, and my daughter was born in March of 2009, I think of the beginning of March of 2009, we were all just going, what is going on? And by the end of March, we turned, but no one knew it and no one could feel it. No, no, that's well. That is that is the ultimate challenge of market timing. Yeah. That is right. you you. The challenge of market timing isn't getting out when things are good. The, the the challenge is getting back in when things look bad. So so as we as we record this show and we recorded uh, the Friday before Christmas, we're taking the week off next week. Uh, the show is going to be airing on New Year's Eve for the first time. As of now, the, 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 the recording of the show, S&P is up about 20% for the year. So unless it goes wacky in a short trading week next year, 20% returns, man, I mean, can you imagine being a 23-year-old like producer Nicole, starting your 401k for the first time, and you're putting your earliest money in, and you got 20% your first year in? Ironically, Nicole should be hoping for 20% declines, not 20% yeah, increases. She is at the beginning of her career and she has a long time to save and invest. And the best thing for her would be a 20% decline uh, and not a 20% increase. So she be, can buy at the proper valuations, uh, allegedly. Proper, lower, uh, however, you mm -hmm. want to, however you want to do the, the, the math, she would be able to you know, purchase more shares at a lower valuation, for sure. Uh, before we go to break, I want to hit the next top story of 2017 from an investment perspective. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Tadis Visconta, uh, editor at, uh, <laughs> what are we calling you? Dishwasher. Dishwasher at abnormalreturns.com. You also teach a finance course at Butler, is that I do, correct? I'm an adjunct at Butler. Excellent. Uh, I can barely spell adjunct, that's why they don't let me do it. Uh, story number two. Uh, the one thing that uh, we have been speaking um, specifically about the U.S. stock market uh, exclusively in this segment, and the one thing that is maybe surprising to people is that over the last 12 months, the international stock markets, whether they be developed or emerging, have actually done better than the U.S. stock market, which has been a change in trend. Uh, over the last three or four years, the, internet, the U.S. stock market has trounced uh, the international stock markets. And this has been a year, whether you want to describe it as a year of catch-up or whether you're in trend change, this is the year that global diversification has actually paid off and hence has not been a hindrance to people's returns. And, you know, uh, diversification um, doesn't pay off every year um, by any means, but I think any prudent investor recognizes that diversifying your assets um, in the U.S., uh, stocks, bonds, and also overseas uh, makes sense. And this is a year where it has made perfect sense. Yeah, the Asian markets, like you said specifically, are, are right there, if not higher in many cases than the U.S. markets. And of course, you, you can't not mention the FTSE just because I like saying it is fun the FTSE. Say. It's a lot of yeah. fun to say. And Brexit. Yeah, Brexit. I mean, there's just the words you got to say. So yeah, it, it's funny. Um, I remember back when I was in the investment business years ago, uh, oddly enough, I had more hair then, and I think I had to exit because it had fallen out in 2007, 2008. Um, I remember this whole thing about like how much of a portfolio should be international, and then the old sort of colloquialism was, just look around your house, look where, where are the products made? And that was just like, this seems like sort of a gross way to, to, to diversify. Do you have set feelings on, on how much of just sort of a, a balanced portfolio should be international? I don't. I don't really have. Uh, I really don't have a set feeling. I think you can go. I think you can go one of two ways. I think there is. There's something called you know not to get technical, but it's something called home bias. 
uh, and that's that's not unique to U.S. investors. It's, it is a, a global phenomenon in every country. People have a tendency to invest in those things that they know well. They invest in those brand names. They invest in those companies that they know well. So I think just just the fact that you and that you take that step towards diversifying internationally, I think is um, is a good one. And whether that you know you could argue, I could argue all the way from zero, per, you know, for, uh, anything above zero all the way to fifty percent of your portfolio overseas. And so. I think anywhere along that spectrum, whatever you feel comfortable doing, I think is a great first step. And I think trying to say, trying to optimize and say, oh, it should be 23.7% of your portfolio <laughs> is not only just a waste of time, I think it's, um, it, you know, it's a, it gives people some sort of false comfort or false precision that there's some sort of right answer out there. Speaking of false comfort, let's take a break. I don't actually know how that relates. It just seemed like I needed a segue. No, you need a segue. I went with it. Uh, let's take a break. Tadas Visconti from AbnormalReturns.com, uh, adjunct finance professor at Butler University, uh, will join us uh, for the entire show. So uh, we'll be right back on The Million Dollar Plan. I'm Pete the Planner. Stop what you're doing. Log on. And hit Pete up on Twitter at Pete the Planner. Question the right of any man. The voice his opinion as strongly as any can. But then again, many men are citizens of their own little world, so they ain't really fitting in. I'm in the background blending in. Camouflage by the back on the million dollar plan. 2017 investment wrap-up with Tadas Visconta of abnormalreturns.com. You guys are a popular site. Anytime you link to us, and by the way, that's not like me saying link to us more, our traffic flies up. Well, I'm glad that's that is um, that is one of the benefits of having kind of this platform is I like to be able to highlight good stuff. Yeah. And that is uh, that is obviously a, a great side benefit and one of the best things I hear is when I hear from people who are just kind of starting out and I link to them and like you said they get traffic and additional readers and that's always um, gratifying. No, oh, excellent. Well, uh, uh, we investment review, eight biggest story of the years. We talked about the market, uh, clearly, the stock market in general. We talked about the international markets and how uh, they've not only kept pace, but in some instances outpaced uh, the domestic markets. Story number three, Tadas. What was story number three for you? I'm going to ask you a question. Oh, please do. Let's say, let's re hit the rewind button two okay. years ago. What okay. was the yield on the three-year Treasury bill, which is what the government pays to borrow money for three months? Essentially, what people call it the riskless asset. Uh, it was, uh, I'm, I'm going to answer it in sort of uh, um, an anecdotal way. It was nothing. It was it was essentially zero. Yeah. If it, it may have been 0.01%. It may have right. been one basis point, but it was essentially zero. Um, what's it today? I don't even know. I should know these things. Just, Wait, you tell me. It's about 1.3%. Holy cow, I didn't know that. And so for it is so the Federal Reserve has obviously been spent most of 2017 raising interest rates, which is they obviously affect the interest rates at the short end of the curve. So 0 to let's say 1 year, 2 years most effectively. Um, and you know, one of the biggest complaints from investors essentially since um, 2009 has been there is no return on cash. Yeah. Whether you want to say uh, bank deposits, CDs, money market funds, you know, you name, you know, you pick your flavor of cash. Uh, it has essentially been zero for the better part of a decade, and 2017 has seen 
um, a dramatic change upward. And for those people who have cash balances, whether it's their emergency fund or whether it's just that they had that's just a part of their portfolio, um, they're beginning to see um, uh, a, what you let's call it a normalization um, in terms of the interest rates that re they receive on those balances. Now, I'm not disagreeing with you, uh, but th that, anytime you say that, it sort of sets up a disagreement, though, just in general. But I'm not disagreeing with you, but I did read an article the other day that said it, investors aren't seeing uh, their yields come back the way they thought they would have given well, the change. That, that's not unusual. It takes, it takes a while for this to work through the system. And this has been a relatively, we're talking about the last kind of few, yeah. last few months sort of phenomenon. So if you take a look at the chart, it's kind of a, you know, kind of a nice upward slope in terms of those, um, in terms of those yields. And it will take some time for it to flow through the system. It doesn't happen over, it doesn't happen overnight, um, whether it be a, a money market fund or whether it be the CD rates that you might receive from right. your bank. That, do, that does take some time, but it is a change and it's a welcome change. All right, now I want to ask you the loaded question of the week <clears throat> brought to you by Don's Guns. I don't know, do we have a loaded God, question sponsor? The perfect. It seems like yeah. it, it. Is it still in business, the Don's Guns? I don't know, but I remember those. He ads. loved to sell guns. God, he did. All right, so loaded question of the week brought to you by Don's Guns. Um, do you think Fed policy in the last half a decade to a decade has worked? I think you have to say yes. I know. I, I, know. I, I, you ha I mean, I think, you know, I think a lot, of, I think if you asked uh, 100 economists whether they would have kept um, Janet Yellen, Ben Bernanke in, you know, in those positions, I think the vast majority would have said, would have said yes. Yeah. What they have done has, I, I don't think you can argue with success in a certain respect. And I think you can, of course you can play uh, back, you know, you can be backseat driver, Monday morning quarterback, you know, insert your cliche here in terms of what was done and when it was done, but in terms of keeping the financial system afloat and keeping the economy on the right track, it's hard to argue with yeah, what we've seen. I agree. All right, story number, uh, what are we on, four now? Story We're on number four. four. It's and, uh, and Papa John CEO stepping down, right? It isn't, but that is, it isn't that. <laughs> but that, but you know, but it does. You know that. Well, we'll get to that in a later segment. Okay. Okay. Uh, but here, my, I have another interest-related one. Oh, okay. And it has to do with it's getting a little bit into the weeds. But as short-term interest rates have risen, um, what the so what oftentimes economists and financial market people talk about this thing called the yield curve. Right. And so it's kind of measure, you're looking at the yield on instruments of various sorts of maturity, whether it be all the way going from overnight all the way to 30 years. And 30 years and you know 10, 20, and 30 years are interesting, especially for consumers, because those are the kind of rates that affect you know your 30-year mortgage, um, kind of the, maybe the most um, visible sort of effect that yields have on what consumers do. And those yields have, frankly, stayed pretty much flat. Flat. Yeah, they're they've too, gone up a little. They've gone down a little the last couple of months they've been up a little bit, um, but those rates have stayed pretty steady. And so if you have been in the market for either a new home or have been looking to refinance your mortgage, 2017 has really given you ample opportunity to get that, um, to kind of get that accomplished. Uh, but what it has done is called, you know, in technical terms, it has flattened the yield curve. And um, it's something to keep an eye on. I don't think, and I don't think it's an issue as of, um, you know, uh, New Year's, you know, New Year's Eve 2017. But it'll be something to keep an eye on as we move forward. Uh, a flattening yield curve potentially 
um, has often been associated with economic recessions, and economic recessions are oftentimes associated with stock market declines. So I think it's just something to keep an eye on. Um, it's not something that a typical sort of uh, consumer is going to worry about or going to. Uh, it's not going to be on their um, not going to be on their Yahoo Finance page, but it is something to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, a phrase I heard a long time ago, and I go back and forth of thinking it's a genius idea versus, well, it's not exactly the case. Is the recession isn't a problem. The recession is a solution to a problem. How do you feel about that tight little idiom? It is a tight little idiom. I think you know, you know. I think there were there was a certain class of economists who would say, look, um, you you. Recessions happen because you have some sort of imbalance right. in the economy. Um, oftentimes, unfortunately, oftentimes there's a buildup in leverage in some sort of sector. So 2006, 2007, we saw leverage up the wazoo in the residential real estate market, and we kind of know how that uh, we kind of know how that played <laughs> oh, yes. out. Um, and so that was an unfortunate, a very unfortunate sort of situation. Um, if we go even farther back, uh, if we if we go look at the dot com bubble. Um, frankly, there wasn't a whole lot of leverage. Um, there was people who, there was obviously people who had, um, there were wealth effects from the stock market, but there weren't a ton of people borrowing money to buy shares and therefore um, kind of getting, you know, getting, um, uh, having their hat handed to them at that point. So I think leverage is clearly a, a big part of what, um, what uh, is, a recession does is it resets. Um, whether it be from the corporate side or whether it be from the individual side. And yeah, I think recessions happen. I don't think they had, there's no, there's no iron law of economics that says a recession has to happen. Right. Um, and so there's usually something, uh, you know, some might say it's a poly mis policy mistake or some other thing that's going on in the economy that needs, um, that needs some fixing. And unfortunately, it takes some, uh, like a lot of things in, uh, in, in our lives, it takes some pain to, to fix those problems. Right. So. Unfair question alert. An unfair question is brought to you by, I guess we shouldn't have an unfair sponsor. If we go into recession within the next couple years, mm -hmm. which <clears throat> it could happen. I mean, Absolutely. It, it could happen. And I, I read a piece the other day that said it's going to happen. But again, we get into predictions. Uh, you think Trump blames Obama? Yes. Okay. Of course. <laughs> it's totally unfair. That, that's your, that's uh, Might be a fair if, question. If not, uh, you know, uh, insert um, insert other name here. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. You know. And you know what? I, and I would have to say, it's not like if there was a recession in two years, that blaming someone doesn't actually make sense of past president because it's not like it would be the current president's fault. It, we're not to the point. It's not that binary where oh, recession happened on your watch. You're an idiot. Like it doesn't really work that way. It shouldn't work that way, in my opinion. Oh, it shouldn't work that way, but I think that's certainly, um, you know, I think that's certainly a, a big chunk. That is certainly the, the narrative that would play out and, um, you know, the degree to which that would affect actual the electorate would be interesting to see. But, um, yeah, at what point does a president own, own their own uh, economic uh, track record? So. Well, you want to own the failures and the successes. Uh, next, uh, biggest investment story of 2017. What do you got? Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Cryptocurrencies. We've had an entire show on it. I bought Bitcoin live on the air just for fun, not much. Um, it's weird, man. 
It's, oh. what do you think? Oh, it's trippy. No, it's absolutely weird. And as much as I have read and written about it, I still don't really have my head around it. So Absolutely. you're talking to you're gonna you're talking to a couple of confused middle-aged guys about yeah. something we don't understand. Uh, I have a guy in my fantasy football league that paid off his mortgage because of Bitcoin. Then you hear these stories, and then that's what scares you. It's the whole like if Grandma brings up Bitcoin at Christmas dinner, that's like run for the hills. Yeah, you know no, we we may have already seen that point, so we'll see. Yeah, uh, and I and I know you well enough to know that you want to leave Bitcoin at that. Uh, no, actually, I don't. You, know, you don't? You want to no. keep going? Sure, absolutely. On the Bitcoin? All right, we got about a minute and 90 seconds left uh, in, in this particular segment. I, I, I'm curious, do you think it sort of just meanders along, or will there be an event that changes everything? I, re I, I, honest, I really don't have any idea what's, what's going to happen with Bitcoin. What's fascinating me fascinates me is that Bitcoin is... It's essentially you've taken an entire market cycle and just squeezed it into a really short period of time. You've seen all the best and worst of a market cycle in a really accelerated sort of time period, which is fascinating for me from just kind of a market geek sort of perspective, but also from anybody who has either been watching it or trading it or anything like that. It gives you a sense, it kind of, it's like, it's like markets 101 all squeezed together. It's like yep. a little mini course in markets. And that's the part that really fascinates me. I, you know, as to the, as to its eventual um, either price level or utility or, you know, any number of hundred hundreds of other of, uh, cryptocurrencies out there, I really have no idea. I know that the ICO boom, um, the initial coin offerings, I think is, is, has already uh, been a bit of a disaster for investors. So, uh, but Bitcoin itself, I think, is absolutely fascinating. I've been investing since I was 14 years old in individual equities, so that is now 26 years, and uh, owning just a hair of Bitcoin, I have never felt more compelled to look at prices than I do right now. It is the, as a pretty disciplined investor, mm -hmm. I feel out of control weird. No, well that's why the Coinbase, which is the kind of the major, <laughs> the leading sort of uh, purveyor place where you can buy and sell and hold your cryptocurrencies, um, la this week was the number one um, you downloaded app on iOS. So for people who have the uh, Apple iPhone, yeah, um, I, and that's just that just blows me away. I mean, you know, uh, more than Facebook, maybe than Instagram. You know, you name it, is the most you know, most downloaded app. All right, we're going to take a break. We're with Tadas Visconta from abnormalreturns.com, abnormalreturns.com. Here's what's going to happen. After the show's over, you guys are going to email me like you always do and say, who was that? I was driving home from Dublin, Ohio. And, uh, Tadas Visconta, abnormalreturns.com, abnormal, Google abnormalreturns.com, or just type it in. We'll be back on The Million Dollar Plan. I'm Pete the Planner. Mr. Kinetic, Rusty Redenbacher, ATFU, Naptown, yeah. Yeah, y'all ain't hip yet. 
cashing in like the end of the game at the casino. I lean so the glare of the rear view don't hit me. Swiftly through the avenues and boulevards. Old soul playing on my speakers. Old soul but young and age of boss player. Not from the Himalayas. Joined by Tadis Visconti. I just keep saying your name because it's fun to say. I've, I've, I've pronounced it correctly most of the entire time. Absolutely. Do you ever look 100%. in front of the mirror and surprise yourself and go, Tadis? No, I really don't. I look in front of the mirror and I look at a gray hair and I said, where did where did all that come from? Well, you got five children. Yeah, that's, well, where it came that's from. part of it. Um, okay, so the top investment stories of 2017 is what we're doing today. If you've missed any part of the show, uh, go to PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. You can listen to it. You can go to PeteThePlanner.tv and uh, watch us. I mean, what's there not to enjoy about that? Yeah, you got logos and things and lights involved. Will this make your? Will this make uh, a, a link on your site? Absolutely. Because you're on it. Yeah. I mean, you can. It's, it's got to be good. Yeah, that's the way I view it. Uh, two left. Two left. Two big stories left of 2017. Do you feel like Dick Clark or like a, a Anderson Cooper or anything right now? Like a countdown situation? Uh, no, not really. I think it's you know. Um, Seacrest. I'll take his bank account. Yeah. You had good hair. It's sort of a Seacrest situation. Mm, I'm, I don't know. I'm a middle-aged man, so well, they don't, there's nothing they wrong don't, with that. Don't they say don't, they, don't, they, don't, they don't want me to host those those type of shows. So. They're only hosted by middle-aged men. Yeah, and they're all getting kicked off I for know, that's very you know, specific reasons, it, which, one of I, your, which I think might be outside the purview of the show. So. Yeah, or, or one of the top investment stories of the years of all the pervy men getting kicked out of roles of power. I mean, it's got. I mean, there's got to be some sort of economic impact to that. Um, well, these economic impact is these guys had some very big paychecks that are no longer coming in the door. No, it's great. Um, so, so uh, next story, what is it? Um, I'll call it the big four. Um, you could maybe round that out to the big five or big six, but we're really talking about the big technology companies. Um, we're talking about Apple, we're talking about Google, we're talking about Facebook. Uh, we might be talking about Amazon, we're talking about Amazon for sure. Yeah. Um, maybe Netflix, you might throw Netflix in there sure. um, for fun. Um, but these companies not only have, I think it's kind of been, it's really been interesting because for a long time, these companies were kind of viewed as upstarts. They were kind of viewed as the hip, cool companies that were really transforming the kind of transforming the world. And frankly, they succeeded. They have transformed the world. Um, if you want to advertise online, you're either going to go to Google or you're going to go to Facebook. Um, Isn't it something crazy like ninety-seven percent of all advertising dollars are Google or Facebook? Yeah. If you once you once you start, you know, because when we're talking about Facebook, we're talking about Instagram. We're talking about you know, we're talking about WhatsApp. You know, where it's not just it's not just kind of the you know um, your father's sort of Facebook. Um, you're talking about a whole a whole network of things. Uh, and the same thing is with Google. And not only have these companies succeeded, um, th those four specifically are in the top ten in market capitalization. So they are four of the ten biggest companies. Um, in the United States and by, by extension the world. And uh, frankly, it's kind of mind-blowing if you look, if you think about it from that sort of perspective, but also, um, I mean, this is really, it's more than just a financial story. It's a technology story, it's a cultural story. Um, you know, any, any, we've talked about politics a little bit and you can't really talk about Facebook um, without talking about politics to, to some extent these days. Um, uh, less so with Google, but I think it's really, uh, it's a year in which we've seen these companies sort of, um, we've seen kind of the best and worst of them. And I think this is a year in which I think the uh, cultural and sort of political sort of mindset about them is changing. And I think they're not being viewed as 
um, these kind of happy-go-lucky upstarts, they're kind of viewed as being the powers that they are. And they all have hired dozens of lobbyists in, Wal in Washington, D.C. to look out for their interests. And I think the backlash is here and is probably growing to a degree. Yeah, it's darkened, right? Yeah, the, absolutely. The, so a couple of things there. Number one, uh, when I think about those companies, I think about how, always, I always think about, um, do we have to disclose if, if we're talking about these, like who we're invested in with these? Is, is, that, is that an appropriate thing to do? Do you do that when uh, you do these things? I do. I don't know. I don't own any individual stocks. Everything okay. I, everything is either a, a, an ETF or a mutual okay. fund. So I own I Apple and Amazon. I should okay. say that. Okay. I don't know. I don't know why I felt the need to say that. It feels like the right thing to do. Um, Apple. When I think about Apple, I think about they're hoarding cash. I mean, it's just disgusting. Or great. I don't know what it is. But then I think about the tax reform package just went through mm -hmm. this. Now companies will be able to give people uh, wage increases and all these sorts of things. Apple could like double everyone's salary if they wanted to, but they don't. And so every time this whole idea goes through my head, that's why I'm like this whole, and we're not getting political, but I'm, I guess we are. The corporate tax reform thing, I just get the feeling that companies are going to do what they do and, and they're not going to be impacted. Uh, the wages are by this tax reform package. I think if Apple could spend money <clears throat> more quickly on acquisitions or technology or something else that would improve their business, they would have been doing it already. I don't think they're I don't think they're particularly happy about having to you know stash this cash in some sort of Irish uh, sub you know subsidiary. Um, I think if they I think if they had a good use for the cash um, from a business perspective, they would be spending it. Yeah. Do you wrap your family's holiday gifts or you just put them in bags like I do? I try, you know, I, I try to stay away from wrapping because these are, I have, you know. Several what's the, what's the opposite of green thumbs when it comes to wrapping? No thumbs. No thumbs, yeah. I'm, <laughs> You're I'm, like I'm, a monkey. No, it, it looks it looks like a child wrapped it, which sometimes comes in I, handy I, because it's a good, good uh, disguise. I told Mrs. Planner this year, I was like, I'm going to try. I'm going to wrap. And last night I went to wrap her gifts. I wrapped the first one and it looked like a serial killer was involved. I, I ran out of paper because I cut it wrong, so then I had to grab a different paper because I was out and taped to the it's, back. I, then I, I grabbed bags. I just I, ha I have no patience for something that's going to be destroyed in five seconds. There so. we go. Uh, speaking of, maybe this will relate to another terrible segue. The second, or the, the, the final, I should say, the second in this segment, final big story of 2017 from an investment perspective. Well, uh, it's interesting because it does, it does tie in a little bit to what we've been talking about with Bitcoin, but it is the, I've called it for a long time, the ET of ETFization of everything, which yeah. is frankly, Hard to say. Um, the ETFs have ETFs, which are exchange-traded funds, which are funds which are traded on an exchange like the Nasdaq or the New York Stock Exchange or any number of exchanges that are out there. And those are they trade throughout the day, and they are kind of they have been viewed as sort of a mortal threat to the mutual fund industry. And the mutual fund is mutual fund industry slowly but surely has recognize that it is a mortal threat and have been pushing hard on launching new funds um, in, any, in uh, various flavors and strategies. And I think uh, this is not a, you know, uh, this is kind of a slow burn in a certain respect. Um, the first exchange-traded fund was launched uh, back in 1993, so we're coming up on the 25th anniversary. So it's not exactly an overnight phenomenon, but it is, a, again, it's another one of those trends that is sort of accelerating. And the tie-in to Bitcoin is that there are, there have been in the last week a, um, over a dozen applications <laughs> with the SEC to launch uh, funds based on Bitcoin or exchange-traded funds based on Bitcoin, and you know, 
Uh, the previous attempts of that have been uh, have been rejected by the SEC, but now that we have futures on Bitcoin, that might make these um, that might make these uh, ETFs more likely uh, to be approved in 2018. But it's really, I think, a, a rep represents you know that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg, and which is what is a really big long-term sort of uh, trend in the investment markets. And I think. Um, you know, I don't think there's any end in sight, and I think that um, all kind of all sorts of, if you're a responsible sort of money manager with a mutual fund complex, you are, you have either launched an ETF or you're looking to launch an ETF in some form or fashion. And that gets especially interesting when leverage gets involved, right? These leverage ETFs, and then which we don't have time to discuss. But here's what we're gonna do: we're take a break, come back for the final biggest waste of money of 2017, although we could always mix it up like we do, and it could be the best use of money. We'll let Tana choose. Let's end on a high note. We'll end on a high note. So we're gonna, it's going to be a good positive thing. That's coming back next on The Million Dollar Plan. I'm Pete the Planner. Day, living through the peace of my soul, I remain whole even in the middle of the pain. Even though my life has the rain, I still remain sane, writing and creating for my life. And my pen is my sword given by the Lord, and I use it to fight the tides of restriction. Sometimes I'm conflicted, find myself looking at the trees too much and can't see the forest. Enemies shall inherit the earth, and I want to inherit something, something other than the high blood pressure and diabetes. So work is what I gotta do. Stay true to my enemy and water the trees that I sing from and look out for the lumberjacks. Running with the gale force wind at my back. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Back on the Million Dollar Plan. Final segment of the year. No pressure with Tata Fisconta from uh, abnormalreturns.com. Add to his record traffic numbers and go to abnormalreturns.com or sign up for a class at Butler University and take one of his courses. We'll take it. Uh, usually we go biggest waste of money of the week, but I think you want to go best use of money uh, of the week. Let's call the best use of money of the year. I'm going to give you that honor. What is it? Get yourself a password manager. A password manager. Everybody, we all spend so much of our lives, whether it be on our phone or our computer, and we have post-it notes with passwords written on them and we lose them and there's all sorts of story about people losing millions of dollars in Bitcoin because they right. lost their passwords. Get yourself a password manager. It will change your life. Okay, so do you mean like a service like LastPass or? LastPass, Dashlane, first one, pa one password, however you want to pronounce yeah. that, one, one the number password. Yeah. Pay, 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 a, pay a few bucks, get yourself, or try, they all have um, trial versions. Try it out, it'll change your life for the better. Wow. You know, this confused some of our listeners. I'm gonna tell you, this will confuse some of our listeners, but basically you have one password and then the, this password manager manages all your other passwords and it makes your life better it's and safer. It's gotta be a really good password though. Yeah. It's not like abnormal returns, 22. Oh, jeez, I need to We're change, change it. Oh boy. Hey, this has been a fun year, a uh, million dollar plan, and that's uh, the perspective of one person, mine. Thank you for listening. Thanks for watching at PeteThePlanner.tv. Thanks to, for Tadas for joining us today. Hopefully I see you at another cooking expedition. 
Uh, I'll, be, I'll be back at Clues Hall at some point this year. So Me too. All right. Thanks, everybody. Reminding you, as always, send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is a million dollar plan. If you want to be on this podcast and have Pete fix your money like then hit us up at PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. You heard me. PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. Log on. This is for information purposes only. It's not the Swiss financial planning device. Consult a financial divisor. Release from Everest, the fresh is fresh, and you can call me ET or to John Tesh. Let me bless this harmonic presentation. It's amazing, so amazing. I'm the reason. Uh, salutations, I bring you love, Tron greetings from a far away land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, Tron can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, Salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it? The tinkling of the keys is an homage to the little, little star. I sojourn over poetic descriptions of sound and travel to my other world. Out of this world, spaceship on my arm took me home, filled by the ink and the megabytes and the hypertext transfer protocol stronger than the Skynet and the Terminator. I push faders into warp speed, glide with ease, creating a breeze they call a black hole, event horizon, no rear view concerns. This I adjourn, adjourn. it beats I burn, this I adjourn, it beats I burn. Salutations, I bring you love, trying greetings from a far away land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, try can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it?